Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking about Sleeper. And to do that, I'm joined with two of their executives, Nan Wang, the CEO, and Wei Shi Yen, the CTO. Thank you both for joining the show. I appreciate you coming on. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having us. It's a, it's a pleasure Thanks to be on the show. For anyone who's not familiar with Sleeper, it's come out of a little bit of nowhere to fight with some of the major giants in the fantasy game space. You know, you've got your ESPNs, your Yahoos. Well, in the hardcore fantasy football, fantasy basketball communities, a lot of them use Sleeper. And part of that's because of customization. Part of that's just a clean interface. Why do you guys think you've been so successful in grabbing a lot of this market share when you're competing against the biggest sports companies in the world? That's a great question. Great question, Mitch. And I think when you when you think about the term sleeper, what it really harkens to is the underdog that outperforms and outdelivers. And so that's kind of the ethos of our company. We, we're a small team, but we're mighty taking on a big space, which is sports. Uh, sports has the power to impact billions of fans around the world. And our thesis when we were building Sleeper was how do we cater to the baseline need of the most people in those verticals? And ultimately, what we decided on was building Sleeper as a social product at its core. And this goes back to how Weishi and I have been able to maintain our friendship for over 30 plus years. So Weishi and I met when we were five years old, um, and then we moved apart in, in third grade. But our group chats and our fantasy leagues were the reason why our friendship has been able to persist year over year over year. The fantasy league we have has been, you know, in an intact with relatively the same cast of characters for 18 plus years. And it's been that excuse to hang out every year that's maintained that friendship. Um, and so while we do have the customizations that a lot of the diehard and hardcore fans love about Sleeper, really the essence of what makes it so special is that the messenger is integrated directly into the product to offer friends a way to hang out um, and interact with each other more frequently. Uh, the current experience is you have to jump onto email or text or Facebook or WhatsApp to really stay in touch with friends. And by introducing a social version of a fantasy league, um, people are now interacting much, much more frequently with their friends uh, on the product. And so that's allowed us to grow uh, very rapidly since launch two years ago um, of, of our fantasy product. And in fact, we've become the fastest organically growing sports app in the U.S., and you're still growing very quickly. We've just moved our Dynasty League over to, to Sleeper. And you're right, that messaging inside the app is incredibly important. Now, the company is still growing very quickly. You just announced a $20 million funding round on Tuesday morning with investors including Kevin Durant, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Twitch co-founder Kevin Lin. And you've also announced, this is the Esports Network podcast after all, a League of Legends division, which is what we're going to be spending most of our time talking about but wanted to give a brief synopsis on Sleeper. Can you take us through that funding round? $20 million from a lot of high-profile investors. It's got to be pretty awesome. Yeah, no, we're, we're really fortunate to have the backing of some of the biggest names on both the tech side, uh, investment firms like Andreessen Horowitz, General Catalyst, Birchmere, Rainfall Ventures, um, but also founders like Kevin Lin, who understand the power of esports and social and then on the athlete side, it, it's been really interesting how the round came together. So Baron Davis is another athlete that's invested as well. And he discovered our app through his friends who invited him to play on the season-long fantasy football league last year. And Baron messaged me inside of our product um, asking who the founders and the owners of the product were. And as you know, Sleeper has anonymous names on her platform. So I thought it was an online troll at first. 
not realizing <laughs> that it was actually Baron Davis reaching out. And a couple of days later, we got a LinkedIn invite from one of his uh, business associates. And one thing led to another. And Baron just really, really felt that we were building something special, connecting fans together um, with their friends around the sports they love. And so he ended up investing. KD is doing a lot on social. Juju Smith-Schuster is an investor and is doing a lot on social. And so our core thesis of using sports as the backdrop to, to activate friendships is something they all felt you know, really positively about. And so we've been fortunate to get that round put together. But none of it's really possible uh, if we didn't have the metrics to back it up and the growth to back it up. And so Sleeper, as I mentioned before, was the fastest organically growing sports app in the U.S. And it really is just friends setting up uh, leagues and inviting, inviting their league mates on. So every league that gets set up has 11 outbound invites. And so we benefited from 90% growth uh, coming from word of mouth. And then from a retention perspective, it's with your friends. So people, once they download the app, don't delete it. They don't uninstall it. And so we're one of the top 50 retaining apps in the world, period, any category. Um, and then time spent in engagement metrics, like 78% of our users use the app more than they brush their teeth, which is two times a day. Um, so it's a lot of these metrics that really attracted uh, top-tier venture capitalists, top-tier athletes, top-tier founders. Um, and we're really now really blessed with more capital to continue to do what we did with football and offer it for multiple other sports, including our expansion into esports, with which way she can comment a little bit more on. Yeah, Weishi, I know you're a diamond player, so I, this had to be something that you really wanted to work on for a while now. So I uh, started playing uh, League of Legends in uh, 2012, and I was um, introduced uh, to League of Legends by uh, people in the uh, same company that I was working at, uh, in a gaming company. I noticed that they were playing uh, League of Legends every day at 5 p.m. after work was over. And so when it came time to... Um, uh, participate in a hackathon, I wanted to create a League of Legends product in the browser. And so um, that's kind of how I was first introduced in terms of how the laning works, uh, the towers, and also how to uh, the objectives of the game. And just got very um, hooked to it uh, ever since that day. And in 2013, um, went to uh, an event uh, called MLG Anaheim. And this was back before um, like Riot kind of took over all the uh, esports professional um, professional circuit, and so um, that was kind of my first time really watching pros play kind of live in person. And so the emotions that I felt, um, there was this one game between uh, uh, one series of matches between CLG and and, and TSM, uh, two of the top teams at the time, and the emotions that I felt while watching that game, um, going back and forth was very much um, the same exact, almost identical to anything I felt when I watched sports um, as, as just a fan. And so even back then, um, I felt, wow, this is something really unique and really special uh, and continue playing league even to this day. I w eventually was able to climb my way to Diamond. And so um, for us as a company, uh, when we went into esports, it was very natural because uh, we already had this like very deep passion for esports uh, at a very like um, a grassroots level, in, in the sense that it wasn't like we weren't trying to um, build on um, the existing hype that was already happening. I think a lot of a lot of people want to get into esports because oh, they were doing sports before, and esports is kind of uh, the analogous thing to do. 
But for us, we've always wanted to do this because we've played the game for so long. Like, I'm not the only person in the company that's been uh, playing video games, um, especially competitive video games. Um, there are several others, uh, including uh, one other founder um, who also played a lot of Dota at a very high level. And so uh, for us, this is a project of passion uh, more than anything else. I love it. I love it. And League of Legends, to your point, is just so great at creating that sports atmosphere. I was very lucky enough to attend Worlds last year, and I was just absolutely blown away. It was the most hyped crowd I've ever been in. I've been going to sporting events since I was five years old, younger probably. And it's just an incredible atmosphere, and I love being able to do that. And now that you're expanding into fantasy, this is something that almost every sports fan seems to be to be aware of, has tried out, or is actively participating in a variety of fantasy leagues. And I want that to happen for esports as well, just because of how important it is as a driver of growth and driver of viewership and fan engagement. But esports is also, you know, there's a reason it hasn't quite happened yet. And it's because it's there's a lot of difficult aspects that come with creating an esports fantasy league. So can you take me through some of those unique aspects of esports? You know, what's really similar to creating a fantasy sports league? And what are some unique hurdles that only exist in esports? Yeah, so um, the, the first thing uh, when... So, so first of all, there was uh, there was several products in the esports space um, that we've definitely tried out before, um, and so every time there's a fantasy esports product that comes out, I get super excited, and so I always round up a group of friends that are already playing the game, and say, "Hey, you guys want to you know check this thing out?" And so um, we played like three or four different ones already. Um, the main issue that we've had, we've, we were always excited at the very beginning, and then usually by about week two or week three into the season, um, there tends to kind of be a drop-off of interest. And this, I, uh, we believe, kind of stems from um, the strategy component of the game. And so when we kind of look back at all the games that last like a very, very long time, um, I'm talking about like years over years, like the type of games that can like hold a friendship, right? You can use it as an excuse to like hang out over many, many years. And fantasy football is kind of one of those things, right? And uh, there's always this like strategy component um, that uh, is very, makes the game very unpredictable um, at the same time, very rewarding and very punishing if you fail. And so when we looked at esports, I think that's kind of the one of the things that was missing was there was a lot of strategy at the very beginning. And then during the middle of the weeks, there wasn't much you can do because just because the roster sizes and the number of teams in the leagues in esports um, was a lot less. So in like the NFL, you have like 32 teams with a lot of players to draft from. But for um, something like League of Legends, you'll have the LCS, which only has 10 teams and they will only have um, five players per team. And so that was one definitely one of the challenges. We realized that, oh, maybe we have to kind of reinvent kind of the gameplay for, for League of Legends. And I think the other thing about esports is that, uh, in general, the regular season viewership um, is also a little bit uh, lower than the uh, viewership for, uh, let's say, something like a Worlds, right? When... Uh, all the international uh, teams come and compete at the same time for kind of regional pride. And so 
when you're introducing a product to the market, you're also kind of, uh, if you say that, oh, it's only for kind of the regular season, um, you're, you may only attract kind of the subset of uh, viewership that only uh, participates uh, during the regular season or that only participates during the regular season, but not, um, not all of the people who play the game. And so when we set out to design the game, we wanted to make it something that um, doesn't require you to be an esports fan first, but you are a player of League of Legends, someone who plays League of Legends, and you can get brought into this game because the mechanics are similar to what you would see in the game itself. And then uh, we, through this game, we can make you become an esports fan and thus growing the market. And one of the things that we chose to do to kind of solve the strategy component and at the same time um, being able to bridge someone from a player of League of Legends to uh, an esports fan to watch the LCS in the regular season or watch the LEC in the regular season is we introduced this concept of uh, picks and bans, which is very much identical to what you would see um, in the game itself if you play ranked or you play draft and pick mode or you watch or if you already watch esports then picks and bans will be something very natural. Um, picks and bans of champions has a great outcome, right? It's a very, it's a coaching decision. It has a huge outcome on the, the results of the match. Um, and so we introduced that uh, mechanic into our product as well. And so um, what you'll find with Sleeper is a much more depth of gameplay. Like we do focus on trying to onboard users, but um, as smoothly as possible, but ultimately, the real test for any game is, is can it last, right? And can it last year over year over year? And, and that's the kind of thing that we, uh, we tried many different things. And uh, this, is the, this is the mechanic that we uh, ultimately settled on and are making a bet on around League of Legends. Yeah, if you think about the analogy to, to football, it would be a, the equivalent of having a start-sit decision that you have to make over the course of the week. And a lot of times it's that start-sit decision or that strategy component that that really makes it exciting. So if you started the wrong player or sat the wrong player, now I have a reason to smack talk to you when I win. And so it reinforces the social behavior, it adds depth to the gameplay, and it continues to be exciting week over week, year over year. And so retention is something that is, is really, really paramount in terms of making sure that we can build a platform that scales. It's supposed to be exciting when I start the wrong player? Um, well, it's exciting to watch if you start the wrong player. It's exciting for me. <laughs> My mind just flashed back to me not starting Derrick Henry last year when he oh, put yeah. off like 44 <laughs> points and I missed the playoffs. I was like, that, you know, excitement wasn't the, wasn't the emotion I was feeling in that situation. Weird. But you're, you're 100% right. It, you need all those decisions going in. You need to be looking at matchups. You need to be looking at secondaries. That's how it's interesting for a 16-week season. Can we go through just the really the nitty gritty of the roster size of League of Legends? So, you know, five players are starting on each LCS team, 10 teams. There's 50 players total in the fantasy world. How many players are starting? Uh, what's the bench look like? You know, do you have like a standard format you're you're going into here with? Yes. Yeah, so we have a standard recommended format. Um, this is uh, tweakable on the platform, but the, the format that we recommend is a league size of about uh, eight people, eight friends. And um, so, so the LCS has uh, 10 teams, for example, and uh, five kind of playable players were five starters uh, for any given week per team. And so that means the player pool is 50. 
And uh, what happens is uh, what we want to do uh, with our product is kind of mirror what it really feels like at the essence to kind of be a general manager and a coach of a team. So let's say if you're a fan of like uh, Team Liquid, you probably have opinions on like how they should be managing their team, what they should be doing uh, during picks and bans. Well, now you can kind of prove it. And on Sleeper, you would draft teams from, uh, you would draft a team uh, from players that are made up of players of maybe uh, your mid laner could be from FlyQuest, your uh, your AD carry could be from CLG, right? Um, but you create this team. And then throughout uh, every single week, you're making these uh, sit and start, kind of like these sit start decisions, but they're really pick and ban decisions on champions. And the champions either give you a bonus if they're a uh, bonus modifier, uh, for example, like if I have, um, let's say I have Bjergsen mid and I pick Syndra as his kind of champion and he's using Syndra, um, he will accrue more bonus points during the course of the week uh, for that game. And uh, if I ban a champion, let's say uh, conversely, I ban Lucian from double lift um, on TSM uh, for my opponent, then he wouldn't get any points for that game. And so now it forces me to go in and do a lot of research. And so all of the gameplay is around these champions and less so around like um, trading players in the middle of the season or like adding and dropping players all the time, like you see with uh, something like football. Uh, so that's kind of how the game works. And also at the same time, um, uh, it's necessary to have something like that because of just how small um, the player pool is for for something like the LCS or the LEC, LCK. Um, and uh, we're also doing VCS, which uh, the Vietnam League has even less teams. It has, it has eight teams. And uh, uh, CBLL in Brazil has also eight teams. Yeah, and there's one division that stands out among the rest. They're two-time <laughs> back-to-back champions, the LPL <laughs> yes. with 17 teams. And it's not in the initial rollout. Now, obviously, working with China, getting Chinese approval on a lot of things is very difficult. Uh, is that why this wasn't available? And do you see it becoming a thing that you can do in the future? Yeah, so like China is a unique market in that um, a lot of the social and messaging products are highly regulated. Mm-hmm. And so at our core, we're not just a, a fantasy platform or a game, but we do also offer the ability to kind of converse and chat and hang out with friends. And so it does take a much more planned out and targeted launch strategy. It also has a quite kind of um, concentrated ecosystem of distribution, you know, platforms, the 10 cents and the bite dances of the world. And so when we do eventually go into China and the plan is to do a a China product, it just takes into account a lot more nuanced planning, uh, which we are in the process of doing. Sure. I remember when Epic Games couldn't get Fortnite into China for over a year, even though they're like 40% owned by 10 cents. So it's, obviously very difficult to break into that market. There's a lot of hurdles to cross and uh, definitely makes sense to launch the product here and then hopefully add that in the future. What about going cross-region? Would there ever be a way where you could combine LCS and LEC and have people pull from from an entire pool? Because they're still playing the same game. They're not playing the same competition. This is a very esports unique setup. Would that ever be something that's possible? Um. I think it would be possible, um, and it, it used to be possible in the past. Um, and uh, as you know, the the LCS and the LEC um, kind of, uh, they used to have almost the identical kind of schedule, the same system, and maybe one would start a week after the other. 
but like um, more or less say the same number of weeks and they were starting and stopping around the same time. Um, they're, however, I think they're kind of run separately. And uh, for example, this year, the LEC has a bye week which were, were no games uh, and that are being played. And then before that, like a super week, right? Um, they start with a super week where there's more games played. And so it introduces a lot of like game balancing type issues. If mm-hmm. someone has like an LEC player doing the super week, but then, uh, so, you know, someone else has LCS players during the bye week, it gives, uh, it really uh, hurts kind of the integrity of the fantasy products, like when something like that happens. And so I think, um, what I think is going to happen is that uh, most fantasy products will uh, start to isolate actually and, and not combine uh, the, the two different leagues together. Um, and the LCK is on a completely different schedule, right? And it has best of threes. Um, and so uh, it's, it's very hard to like combine uh, like an LCK league to an L- LCS league. We, we wanted to do that before. It would have been really cool and really interesting for me to be able to draft Faker Right and have have uh, sneaky, um, well not sneaky anymore, but um, have have basically like Jensen right on my team, and that'd be really cool. It'll really feel like worlds, right, uh, when you have a, kind of an international roster. But um, I think unfortunately the the leagues have all um, kind of are doing their own thing, what's best for their own region, and I think that's probably the best way to grow the esports if you really think about it is um, do what's best for your region, um, regardless of what everyone else is doing, and we all come together for worlds, right, and so that's kind of our opportunity. Maybe there's something we can do during Worlds to bring everyone together. Right. And just to add to Weishi's point, in addition to season-long fantasy leagues, we are also building other social game formats for friends to hang out, including these tournament brackets that might be applicable to Worlds. Um, and so there's just a lot of opportunity for us to continue to, to, to build these types of social games. They may differ uh, depending on the sport or the esport that we roll out, but... Um, there's an opportunity around worlds in addition to just the seat, the, the individual kind of regional leagues as well. Yeah. The, the world's thing is so, again, it's, it's incredibly unique and I wonder, I'm not very tuned into the international soccer world, but it's really the only comparable structure to what league of legends has going on. And I'm curious if, you know, champions league and how there's any esports or any fantasy company doing something that combines all those different regionalized soccer leagues. I'm sure this is something you guys have looked into extensively, but it's really the only sort of comparison we have to what the League of Legends structure looks like. Uh, and I have to imagine somebody's doing something for fantasy games over there. Is that, a, is that a fair comparison to make? Is there any lessons you can take from international soccer that you can apply to League of Legends? Yeah, it's it's kind of similar. Like, yeah, so you have like uh, soccer. So in soccer, you have like what, Premier League, uh, Syria, Bundesliga, and um, League One. Right? They're all, um, and I believe um, each league has certain number of slots, and then uh, the rest is based on like performance of the rest of the teams. And I do find the Champions League, you know, like it's a little bit um, the way they do Champions League. It's like the the year after. Um, it almost feels a little bit delayed compared to like something like Worlds. Uh, so, so you'll end up with like teams that may not actually belong in the champ, like they're not some of the best teams end up in the Champions League because of a performance from a longer time ago. And and for um, League of Legends, what I think is really cool is that you know during Worlds, like these are like the best teams, like pretty much right now. Um, I, I think the way they kind of pick the teams are better. Um, and it's yeah, especially with. Um, uh, how they kind of 
they do kind of discount kind of the the spring split, um, which is really I think it's a good thing because you uh, you kind of end up with the teams that really really deserve to be there. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right in that uh, there's definitely this this analogy of like soccer and League of Legends. League of Legends does feel kind of like the soccer right of um, esports. It is the biggest one and it's the one that has that really big international tournament. Um, uh, not in prize pool money, but in terms of like the the production value, the number of viewers, and everything. And so, um, uh, in, in that sense, I, I think there's there is a lot of similarities. And I think the international event is what is really really necessary to bring kind of the casual viewers, because it gets just gets so hyped up by the people who care that it just naturally brings in people who didn't even care in the first place. And the world ceremony, I think, is something that uh, feels very unique as well too. Um, League of Legends, um, uh, the world like that. The world's performances also brings in a lot of um, a lot of really um, first-time viewers who otherwise may, may not pay attention. Um, uh, last year was just in, insane, very very amazing. Um, what Riot has been kind of been able to put together and kind of reimagine um, the experience of like a grand finals. Yeah, Riot Games is just absolutely nuts. And I was talking to David Higdon, their head of comm recently, and he's like, we we always have to up the bar, but we're really struggling with how to continue upping the bar. And he said as much as well before when they had KDA and they had one of the most 50 most watched YouTube videos. He's like, that was amazing. <laughs> but how do we how do we do something above that level over and over and over again? But hey, last year they managed to do it with the Louis Vuitton stuff and I'm sure, well, I don't know how impacted their their process has been due to the coronavirus, but I'm sure it's been pretty pretty hardcore. Uh, I guess that's one other thing to ask you about as well is, you know, we've seen a lot of delays and it seems like most people have transitioned well into this online format. But for a fantasy league that really relies on that rigidity, you know, you mentioned, hey, this they have a bye week here and a, a stacked week here and that, that hurts the game integrity. If this this virus has already caused teams to miss games, make up games, how would you deal with that from a fantasy perspective if people are playing in a league and, okay, actually, we're going to move back into studio competition, but we're going to have to miss a week to do that? You know, how do you, is there any way to deal with that or you just have to, you know, play it by year? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, I think this one specifically is kind of easier to deal with um, because uh, if you localize it, um, the problem to just the let's say just the LCS right if the LCS making decision they're going to make a decision that's uh, ends up being fair for the teams which also conversely uh, I mean at the same time ends up being fair for the fantasy league because you get the same number of games out of it at the end of the day um, and so um, as long as all the teams are kind of um, if if games get canceled for the whole week that's fine I mean we just move everything back by a week and so it's just a matter of handling the data that's coming in. Um, and so I think one of the, the cool and interesting things is that the regular season for League of Legends for all of the leagues have um, only been temporarily impacted. I think it's the international tournaments that um, due to COVID are really at risk just because um, you need to get everyone kind of in the same place to get the similar, similar level of ping. So I don't know how they're going to solve that. Um, but in terms of regular season, which our fantasy game is based on, I, I feel like we are unlikely to get impacted much um i really hope worlds happens this year i just i just can't wait to see like what they have in store for for all the fans um 
especially last year was so was so insane um in terms of mostly i'm talking about the world's performance um i think the finals uh i think the finals though you know finally with the with western teams uh especially specifically the eu making it um it's going to be it would be very sad if worlds didn't happen this year because i think the west has a has a great chance um yeah the west to, to have a champion Notably EU, not the Notably EU. Hey, but you know, Cloud Nine, yeah, we don't know. We don't know how, how they compare yet, right? And so <laughs> um I haven't lost hope for, for NA. Um I'm a big NA homer. Um but yeah, I, I did of course it's you know, I think it's probably gonna be G two. <laughs> uh, if I had yeah, to bet right now. I am I'm a huge fan of the C nine team. I, I would think they'd have a great, great shot at it, but it's so hard to predict how this is going to affect people. And then when they go and they're playing in the same environment as everybody else, they're back on a stage. There's just so much that goes into that. I, I just hope they can hold worlds. I already lost March Madness, which is my, my, my one and two favorite uh, sporting events every year, March <laughs> Madness and Worlds. So I can't lose worlds too. That would be too brutal for me. Yeah. We had actually created a March Madness product in our app and we were, yeah, you know, we we getting a lot of users downloading it, and then um, it got canceled like so last minute, and we could like see it coming. It's basically um, it's like that GIF of the guy trying to stop the tractor in slow motion, but it's you know it's it. We saw it. Uh, it was pretty obvious that um, that tournament was not happening given the insane amount of like condensed college crowd. Like it, it yeah. was uh, sixty-eight um, teams in total that would have to travel oh, yeah. around the country to play in a bunch of different games with regionalized fans yeah it was just it there was no way it was going to happen i actually had tickets to the pac-12 men's basketball championship and i had i went to the women's one that was actually oh, wow. be held um here in las vegas and so i was so excited to go and i'm just i still have my tickets they're just sitting there i'm like yeah I, I should throw these away but it feels weird to just throw them out they're like a piece of history but <laughs> it's just a piece of paper yeah a special piece of paper Anyways, my Oregon Ducks were ready to uh, ready to run it. I was I was feeling good. <laughs> so I want to wrap up this podcast a little bit here, but I'm curious. You know, you've just done League of Legends, so I don't want to get too far ahead of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But when looking at the rest of the esports world, there are so many different games that people would love to have fantasy competitions for. Are there any other esports that you think the format that currently exists or the consistency that they have? would lend itself to fantasy games down the road? Yeah. Um, so just at a very high level, right, our um, our mission as a company is to, to connect people over sports, and we want to do it for as many people as possible. And we know that, like, let's say, if you're, like, a Call of Duty player, right, like, you may know, just never have interest in playing Fantasy League of Legends. And so um, this is uh, something that we do have in mind to fulfill in the long term. Um, but in terms of the process of like uh, us picking, okay, what's the next thing we want to do, right? What uh, what is the next sport? Uh, we typically do it based on just you know number of uh, number of uh, viewers for the esport and number of players of the game, and um, and it's really simple. It's because we want to just connect the most number of people as possible uh, as early as possible. And so when we look at something like that, um, the obvious candidates then are CS:GO. Um, which has, uh, sure, it has a, a very big uh, player population, but I think the, the viewership population relative to the player population is also really, really good. Um, and uh, But it's very different, right? Because um, 
CSGO is a series of tournaments and less so kind of like a regular season. I think there's, you know, you, you see like Flashpoint and ESL trying to create this like regular season. Um, but that's still, it still feels like everything's still in flux with some teams in one league and some teams in another. Um, and so um, the product that we come up with for CSGO might look a little bit different than League of Legends and more native to how people experience viewing CSGO. The other game that everyone's talking about is Valorant. And um, we've, uh, we uh, in the company, like we were all like opening like 20 different Twitch tabs trying to get those beta keys. And so all of us got it. And so I, I know, like they said, like um, basically it doesn't matter how many tabs you open to get the beta key, but I think it definitely affected our drop rate because uh, all of us are able to get those beta keys and we've been really enjoying that game. Um, and it seems like this could be um, one of the greatest Western esports um, uh, Valorant could be. And so uh, we're definitely keeping an eye on that, especially with Riot's kind of just had a great track record with kind of pulling esports from what I experienced in MLG to what it is today. Um, and so... Yeah, they're basically um, one I, for one. So it's it's about... Yeah, it's one for, but one for one, but it's like, you know, this is the one. This is like when people say esports, they're mostly thinking about this League of Legends Worlds thing. And uh, International, of course, is the one of the other big events. But, um, but yeah, uh, with, with Valorant, I think there could be something really big there. Um, just, just as someone who's playing the game. Yeah, it's a yeah, lot easier to view too, I think, than League. That That's a good point is it's, you know, what's the accessibility level of the eSport, especially for the for the casual fan. I feel like League of Legends does actually a pretty good job when you sit down there and watch. If you just take a snippet of it, it's nearly impossible to figure out what's going on. <laughs> but if you want the game yeah. from start to finish, you know, it's 30 minutes long usually. I think they average around that. It's By the end of it, I feel like you have a pretty good idea of, okay, here's what went right. Here's what went wrong. Here's what somebody did well. Um, it's, yeah. it's definitely, it's not quite Overwatch levels of just pure madding, madness going on the, the whole time, but uh, it's interesting. And I guess a yeah, lot of it does come down to structure, right? Just the having a league that has all the different aspects in place, the consistent yeah. competition main hurdle for call of duty is that it's these tournaments each uh the call of duty league schedule is split up into tournaments so if a team plays three games they've gotten way more stats than a team that gets eliminated in the first round just like you can't really do fantasy for the for the nfl playoffs for the same reason is that yeah thinking yes how, how, how can you navigate that is that like something that structure needs to change or is there some way that you could develop a way to make that kind of system fair um, I think it really just goes back to um, first principles thinking of um, how to create something that um, a game that has balance. And uh, I think no one's really done it yet for these tournament type games. Um, but uh, I think we would approach it um, from the standpoint of, hey, at the end of the day, whatever we create needs to last more than a year, right? And so by definition, it needs to be made fair in some way. And so, um, and we actually had to go through this process with fantasy basketball because fantasy basketball has a lot of the same quirks where some teams play more than one week and some teams play more in another week. And so um, I think you'll start seeing us uh, when we release something, uh, we'll make sure that it is um, balanced in some way to, to make sure that it's something that can last. Um, and uh, it could involve, it could mean that the game is a little bit um, more difficult to teach initially. 
but uh, a lot of our efforts will be spent on uh, smoother onboarding uh, in this case. But we want to make sure that if you do play this thing, you're, you can play it year over year over year with your friends and still feels fresh every year. Um, kind of like how League of Legends um, feels fresh every time I play every season, but they change the meta, right? We actually don't have to change the meta because the players change every year. So that's the meta. And so for us, um, it's it's all about uh, that that balance. Um, we just want to create something that lasts. And uh, I think you look at riots, right? They they said they're really for hardcore gamers, but I see so many casuals just turning into hardcore gamers because of League of Legends. Yeah, it's such a such a game that really brings you in. It's ultimately one that that really grabs you. League of Legends being one of those games where you start playing and it just just pulls you in. If you weren't a hardcore <laughs> gamer going in, you end up being one as you try and crawl your way up the the ranked ladder. But yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> t- there's a reason Tic Tac Toe has probably been played by you know billions of people, but it's not really a game that lasts that long. I guess you don't play it every day or every week every year right um it's accessible it's but it's too simple right you need something complex you need something evolving as well is yeah. that last question on the meta thing does that pose a unique bit of strategy as well you know what if a player i guess players in league are way more flexible i think about especially in overwatch some players that were absolutely dominant and then the overwatch meta switch shifts up and they're almost unable to even be starters on their teams anymore. That's would be really tough if you're a fantasy player and you own, okay, I spent the number one draft pick on this guy and <laughs> now the meta's shifted and his two heroes are bad and he yeah. can't <laughs> succeed. That would feel really bad. So is that ever a concern in esports? Uh, I don't think it happens nearly as much in League of Legends. I can't remember as many examples. It's more of a a smaller drop-off, players being great and then being good. Uh, Nobody going from amazing to to terrible. But, you know, how how would you navigate that issue as well in the the system? I think that actually makes the game a lot more enticing, especially season over season, because um, some of the players don't, seem to change that often in certain leagues like at the lcs it's not like korea where like oh every year it's like some new person like you know at the top of the standings from mid um but like in north america maybe um a lot of the players get recycled more right and so um the the meta changing actually helps keep the game fresh so it's not as obvious i should do a little bit more research right who has the better champion pools and who's really good the champions that are supposed to be good in the upcoming meta um, um, based on patch notes and riots, I think in general, like they've been patching kind of in between. Uh, they, they don't do like crazy patches um, uh, as much as they used to, uh, right before like in the middle of like competition. And so um, I think uh, that has helped it a little bit too. But I think it's good to keep the game kind of fresh. Um, and just like in fantasy football or basketball, there's uh, there's kind of new players every year that kind of um, bubble up to the top. Definitely, yeah, it makes sense. You want some some turnover, and I feel like esports is going to naturally have quite a bit of turnover given the the short length of many players' careers. It'll be a very engaging league. I can only imagine running a dynasty league in in League of Legends. Uh, yeah, not may not be possible. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be possible. There's just too much that goes into that. Who would you draft in a rookie draft? It just wouldn't. 
um, make any sense. But wrapping up on that, I have one last request. I'd like you to juice my free agent auction budget in my Dynasty League, please. Uh, I've got you both on the podcast. I'm going to need a, an influx of cash just to to dominate my league this year, if you could. <laughs> if we could do that, I would ask Weishi for the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't hurt to ask. Didn't hurt to ask. I mean, I think you got you got some really good picks this year. So I think I think yeah. you'll be fine. Um pretty stoked about it we're we're yeah. still tanking you know i've got i've got three first rounders next year we're we're just holding the tank on uh, as long as i can uh and then we're just gonna we're just gonna That's, dominate it's a great strategy on. it is i i still can't believe the nba didn't let sam hinky finish what he started with uh philadelphia i mean gotta I trust changed, the process man right? I changed my let sleeper, sleeper name to ham sinky it's <laughs> <laughs> funny Hey, man, Weishi, thank you so much for joining the show. It was great talking to you both. I'm a huge fan of Sleeper, and I'm excited to see what you have in store for League of Legends. When's the when's the thing available? Can people draft right now? You can do mock drafts right now, but um, it will be uh, fully available in the next couple of weeks. Um, so uh, in terms of a live draft, draft for your actual... Yeah, you can create a league, you can invite people, um, and you can do mock drafts. You can choose which region that you want to play in. I love it. I love it. My brother's not a huge sports fan, but he's a huge League of Legends fan. I'm gonna have to start a league with him, and we can uh, get some get that fantasy trash talk from siblings because that's something you know. We just need more trash talk. That is basically all our app is about, and that's and that's why we created Sleeper. So we're glad we can you know um, create something where you and your brother could play before you you couldn't have played, right? I love it. I love it. Well, hey, thanks for joining the show, and everyone, thanks for listening. Our last episode on Thursday was our most listened to episode ever. So I just want to shout out to everybody who listened for the first time last Thursday. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I hope you're listening to this one as well. That's it. I'll be back later in the week with another show.